another edition, a Hall of Fame edition of the Behind You podcast. We are joined by Vinny Scavo, Associate Athletic Director for Athletic Training. First and foremost, though, I need to tell you that this podcast is brought to you in part by UFIT. Train together, win together, introducing UFIT Gyms as the official fitness center for the Miami Hurricanes. Ready to join? All it takes is a dollar down. Let's go Canes. So I guess UFIT, that's appropriate for you, Vinny. Thanks for doing this, bud. Josh, thank you so much. Um, when I heard about this and Cam Gorby told me about it, I was going to talk to you tonight. I was flattered that um, you guys are giving me the opportunity to come on the show. Thank you very much. My pleasure. So let's start with this, Mr. Hall of Famer. When you got the message you were going in, what was your reaction? How many met text messages? How many congratulatory remarks? And, and well, you've earned it, but how was that honor received by you? Well, you know, when I got the phone call, we were at Virginia Tech, and I just came back from dinner with Dan Radakovich and Jen Strawley and Dr. Kaplan and Dr. Best, and I'm up in my room, and um, I got a phone call. Mean McCabe called me, and um, he goes, Vinny, this is Mean McCabe, and we really never met before, and I knew he introduced himself as the president of the Hall of Fame, and, you know, we drug test in the Hall of Fame a couple times a week, so I said, did I not shut the lights, or, you know, did I do something wrong, you know, did we leave the place dirty? He goes, no, no, no. He goes, we just want you to know that we just had a committee meeting and you're inducted into the UM Sports Hall of Fame. And I go, you got the right number, you know? And, and I'll be honest with you, I started to cry because, you know, sitting there, I sit there a couple of times a week every day and I watch or, or I, I look at all the people that are in the Hall of Fame and, you know, some of the greatest athletes and people that come across, you know, the University of Miami and to be put into that room with those people is an unbelievable honor. And so the first thing is, of course, I call my wife and my family and told them, and then called my good friend, Don Bailey, and then uh, Lee Kaplan, you know, all the people that, that, that have been very, very close to me in my profession, Rick Remert. It was just a fun night. And, and then Dan Radakovich called me and, and Jen, and it was really, 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 really cool. It, it was nice. Great day. So a kid from Staten Island yeah, <laughs> is a hall of famer at the U pretty neat. Yeah, it is. It is pretty neat. Cause I just told you, I'm just a kid from Staten Island. That's all I am. And always my home and that's where I grew up and you know I got the opportunity to come down to the University of Miami and just be around some, such great people I haven't I've, I've been honored I really have been all right so it's been quite a journey I guess in part we have to thank our friends to the north the Knowles at Florida State for getting you down here so and once upon a time you weren't just someone who's taking care of athletes you were an athlete yourself how did this journey start I thought I was a decent baseball player at one time um, I did get some money to go to St. Francis College in Brooklyn when I got out of high school I just, I just want a little bit more. So um, there was a scout in New York named Tom Hageman, great guy, rest his soul. He was with the Braves and he says, hey, there's a school down in Panama City, Florida, that's looking for some pitches. Would you like to go down there and, and play? And I'm like, sure, you know, opportunity, play, see what I can do. And I never forget, my mother was crying like I'm leaving the house. Very, I was always very close with my family. But I, I gave it a shot. I went to a kid from Staten Island going to Panama City, Florida. You talk about a, a shock. I went there and, and I did. And I was I was OK. You know, I, I, I survived. But I knew that baseball wasn't going to be my uh, wasn't going to be my forte. So I uh, I always dabbled in athletic training, read about it, helped with my high school, you know, whenever I can and things like that. So Dick Hauser, who at that time was the baseball coach of Florida State, just left the Yankees, you know, was at a dinner and we started talking and I think he liked my New York accent. So we just started talking and everything. And he really, really grew a liking to me. And he says, well, what do you want to do? I says, well, I'll be honest with you. I like to get into athletic training, but I don't know, I don't know where to go, what to do. He goes, well, I got the place for you. He goes, Don Falls, who was the uh, head athletic trainer at Florida State, he's a good friend of mine. Why don't you come down, come over and meet him? And so I did and drove my roommate's car over to 
Tallahassee, about an hour and a half away, and walked into the training room, and Doc Falls wasn't there. They said, oh, he'll be back in a little while. He, he, he has a meeting with you, but you're kind of early. I said, okay. And so uh, one of the trainers said to me, um, you know, Doc doesn't like facial hair. I had a mustache. <laughs> and I said, well, get me, a, get me a razor. He goes, what? Go get me a razor. So I went to the bathroom, I shaved my mustache off. And when I met Don Falls, I had like blood on my lip. <laughs> he was at me like, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. He goes, why are you bleeding? I go, well, you don't like facial hair, so I shaved my mustache. He goes, when do you want to start? So he took me under his wing for four years and taught me so much about being a person, so much about just how to get along with people and, and treat people the right way, as well as learning the field of athletic training. And then when Ron Frazier won the, um, won the national championship in 82, he came up for an award from the governor and Ron Frazier went to Florida State. Don Falls was a very good friend of him. He came by to visit him. And I just got done working with the Yankees two summers, thanks to Dick Hauser, because then he became the manager of the Yankees. I got two, you know, two summer jobs with the Yankees in the minor league system, which was a, unbelievable. And then Ron Frazier came up and he was looking for a baseball trainer. And Doc said, I got a guy for you. And so I went in, met Ron, never met Ron Frazier before, met him. You know, that was unbelievable. He says, come on down to Miami, come visit. So I went the day before we played uh, Miami and FSU football game. I went on a Thursday, spent all day Friday with Coach Frazier. He says, when do you want to start? So I finished school in uh, December. We got done with the Gator Bowl of Florida State. Started in Miami in uh, 80, you know, January of 83. And, you know, the rest is history. You know, uh, your interviewing record is pretty good there, Vinny Scavo. Yeah. <laughs> you got to give me a couple of tricks. You're, you're two for two on like first time getting the job. Yeah. Thank God. I've been pretty lucky. You know, I, I, I haven't had too many I didn't get, but then I don't want to have too many to go to go try to get. Right. Yeah. So phrase that was it. Just said, come on down and, and you were done and on your way to Coral Gables. Well, Ron Frazier, you know, if you knew how Ron was, Ron was a very special person and Ron could do things that most people can't do. So he figured out a way where I still was working at, I still was a student at Florida State because I wasn't going to graduate till May. I had to do an internship. So he figured out where I could do my internship for Florida State, but yet I was the baseball trainer at Miami. So only Ron Frazier could pull that one off. And he got me set up at Coral Gables High School. I got up every morning at 6.30, walked to Gables High from the Pearson Mahoney Resident Hall, where he put me up, taught class, did what I had to do as an intern, ran back down at 1.30, opened up the training room. And, you know, back then we played a lot of games. Like we, we didn't have a 56-game schedule. We played a lot of games back then. So we had a game almost every night. And then I had a roommate, this guy from, from South Carolina, who had like the driest personality I ever met, but was probably the funniest person I ever met in John Ruth. Your roommate was Ruth? So my roommate was the Miami Maniac. Oh, my God. And he hired him, too. Ren Freshock went out and hired him, too, right? He hired the Maniac and me at the same time. And we both lived in Pearson Mahoney for a little while until we moved to the apartments. And, yeah, that was uh, one of the greatest things with John. And, and, again, you know, friends to this day, when he put that suit on, he was just a different guy. So, Vin, we've had you. So before you, Ruth has been on the podcast. Rick Remmer has helped set up a lot of these podcasts, and he was doing marketing for the team back then. Mitch, the milkshake man, <laughs> has been on this podcast. I mean, you guys are like the original five of UM baseball. Yeah, that's that's an honor to be, to be in that um, group. But I, I, I'm going to tell you a real quick John Ruth story. My wife and I were getting married and sent out the invitations and everything, and Actually, she said, hey, we haven't, you know, is John coming to the wedding? And I said, yeah, he got an invite. He should come. So as I'm walking down the aisle, there's John sitting in this nice, you know, suit, sitting in church and everything. And 
then we went to the reception and you know we, we had the reception um at the old Everglades Hotel down on Biscayne. Um family and friends from New York, everybody in there, all of a sudden, you know, they put the bridal, the bridal party away in the room and yeah, get ready and everything. I hear this commotion outside. I'm like, what's going on? I know I got some people from New York, you know, I want to make sure everybody's okay, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, but uh, I want to know what the commotion is. And I go out there and John showed up in the maniac outfit. Nice. And he must have did a good half hour. And it was the funniest thing in the world. Back then we were playing at the, um, the night center downtown and he holds up a sign vinnie scavel got married tonight miracles never cease <laughs> you know that's that's my boy john ruth he just showed up nobody said nothing to him he just come with a top hat the cane and and he just shows up with the maniac outfit and it was great what was the magic of ron frazier that like he was called the wizard but like what was it about him that made that time so special and helped him grow what university of miami baseball ultimately became well, nobody loved University of Miami more than Ron Frazier. There's no question about that. And he made everybody else love the University of Miami. You know, just the way he talked to you, just the way he, he, he was a father to us. You know what I mean? Like a father away from home. He was, he was good. And he cared so much about how Miami baseball and the University of Miami could be um, marketed and, and, and build. And, and, and he was just so good at it. I got to know Tommy Lasorda very well because of coach and, you know, Tom used to come down all the time and I spent a lot of time with him. And one day Mickey Mantle came down and did a commercial at the ballpark and I got to meet Mickey Mantle. I mean, you know, Reggie Jackson did a commercial at the ballpark. I got to meet Reggie Jackson. Everybody wanted to know Ron and be around Ron because he was just a special person. He loved his players. He loved the game of baseball. You know, he just did it in his way and, and he was just great. Treated everybody. I mean, I had a tremendous relationship with him. He took me under his wing and, you know, it was just one of those things that he would, that, that's what made him special. It's made him so special. Those nights at the light must have been magical. You no, know, you didn't have Marlins baseball. So, you know, you played in front of a packed house every night. And, you know, we used to play the Orioles there in, in, in an exhibition game all the time. And every year they came in and played us. And every night at the light was special. And, and you know, you still know people today that were, were there back then, you know, 30 years ago, you know, that you still have relations with those people and you're still talking. They still come out to the ballpark. He, he created that family atmosphere for everybody. He made everybody feel comfortable coming to the ballpark. And, and you know, and he put a pretty good product out there, uh, out there too, you know? Yep. So if you, if I got this right, you come down in January of 83. I came in January 83, finished at Florida State, did a GA ship. I also worked football, worked with Coach Nellenberg or Michael Shea, who was a great friend of mine and a great mentor. I worked football and baseball. Your first year was the year Howard won the championship. Yes. Yes. That was great. And I had no idea what just, you know, being around that, you know what I mean? That was, that was amazing. That was amazing. You had no idea what you were getting into. No, I had no idea what I was getting into. So what was, so you were on the sidelines that night in 83 or 80, I guess it would have been 84, right? I was on the sidelines that night. I remember coming into the locker room and, um, and I never seen a group of looser players in my life. They were just having a good time. And you're talking about before the game, before the game, they were just very loose and like, let's go, you know, and they got the job done. You know, they, Kenny Calhoun knocks the pass down and we went back inside and celebrated. And they said, you guys better get back outside. Nobody's going home. And we went back out on the field and the crowd was still there going crazy. It was really something special, really, really something special. And so did you work football and baseball? So you were there, what, four, 84, 83, or I guess 83, 84, 85, it's five years, right? Yeah, I was there. And then on my last year of baseball was 87. That's when I did the tour with Coach Frazier, where we did the uh, Pan Am tour. He was that coach of the Pan Am team in 86. So were you involved with Jimmy too? I, I worked four years with Jimmy. 
with football with Jimmy worked four years. I had a roommate in Miami who was pretty good. His name was Vinny Testaverde. How, that's what I want. How does the trainer become the roommate with the quarterback? Well, I was a GA, so it was okay. You know, so then when I got hired full time, I had to move. Vinny and I were the two Vinnies from New York. You know, he was from Elmont. I was from Staten Island. And we just got to know each other very well. And we always flew home together. We flew to Newark and then Vinny would stay at my house for the night. And I would go to his house the next day, drop him off and sometimes stay over his house. And, you know, his family was just great to me as my family was to him. And we just, you know, would hang out. We would hang out together all the time and with the Vinny and Vinny show. <laughs> the athletic training GA is just hanging out with the Heisman Trophy winner. That must have been a good time for you, my friend. Funny story. You know, we were, we were in the old, the old heck that was going on. They had a little film room. And I was walking up there and there was a scout from the Raiders, very famous scout. I, my name, his name is drawing blank right now, but he was around the league a long time. And I walked in, I said to him, let me ask you a question. I said, how good is Vinny Testaverde? And he said to me, Vinny Testaverde doesn't have to play a down here and he'll play in the NFL. Okay. So, you know, Bernie was- and Now, what, what year is this? This was 84, 85. Yeah. Vinny hasn't played yet or very little. Right. Bernie was the quarterback. So Vinny was thinking about leaving. Um, there was some talk about him leaving, not like it is now with portals and stuff like that, right? He was thinking about leaving. And so he came over my my apartment, the uh, apartments on campus, and we were talking one night. And I think Alonzo might have been there too. But we were just talking. And, and I said, listen, bro, you don't got to go nowhere. You just stay here and see what happens. And you're going to play. You want to go to the league, you're going to play in the league. Don't leave Miami. It's a great place. So he talked over his family. He stayed. So when he won the Heisman Trophy, the first question I said to him, what made you stay in Miami? He said, that guy over there, <laughs> he pointed <laughs> me. And I'm like, uh-oh, you know, but I never said he would win the Heisman. I just said he could stay in Miami. But, you know, that was, th those were some fun times and, you know, be around just great athletes like that and, and great friends. And it was, uh, you know, and again, you know, Alonzo was there and then here Alonzo's back with us now. And Alonzo and I have been friends for forever. So that, that's what this place is all about. You know, everyone talks about, you know, Heisman and championships with football, but I've been to Omaha once you went in 85, or at least you won in 85. With, I, went with to, Ron yeah, I went to Omaha three times. I went um, 84, 85 when we won it in 86. We didn't go in 83 and 87. So I went to Omaha three times and, you know, that's about as good as an event as there is. I can't wait to go back. And, you know, I know Gino's going to get him back there soon. And we're going to have a great year in baseball this year. And I'm going to go back with them. But, yeah, that was a great time. We won in 85. I almost got a library card. We were there so long. I mean, we were there like <laughs> I thought maybe we had to stay there for a while and get citizenship. And then, you know, again, be part of the, you know, the Howard's National Championship. And then next year, be part of Ron's National Championship. But, like, this is pretty good. I'm going to stick around here for a while. You know, I, I've been I've been very blessed that uh, to have those opportunities. So who was on that 85? Fiore was on that 85 team, right? Mike Fiore, Calvin James, Donnie Rowland. Um, was Rick Rather the closer or he was gone? Spider-Man was the closer. Spider-Man. Um, Joe Gray? Yeah, uh, Joe Gray, I think, was the next year. Okay. But we had, uh, we had a, a great group. Chris Hart, Julio Solis uh, was our catcher. Chris Magno uh, also was our catcher, Staten Island kid. Chris and I are still friends to this day. We had some, you know, great guys in that team. It's nice when we come back getting to see those guys. I keep in touch with Mike all the time. You know, and uh, Mike. What's he? Is he with USA Baseball or was or is with USA Baseball? Mike was with USA Baseball. You know, Mike played in the Cardinal organization for a little while. Then he got involved with USA Baseball. And now he's, you know, Scott Boris's right-hand guy, uh, agency. Empire. It's an empire. It's not even an agency. It's an empire. Mike is a big part of that empire. And, you know, God bless him. You know, he, 
he's such a great guy and, and such a good person. So you get your little run at Miami. Why'd you leave the first time? Well, what happened was, um, in all honesty, I wasn't, you know, wanted to get married, wasn't really making a lot of money at the time. I mean, I gotcha. You like know, the rest of us, uh, yeah. the rest of us young pups trying to get in the sports. My salary was, was pretty low. I got an offer at Coral Gables High School. In fact, Mike Fiore is the one to help set it up with Harold Cole, the AD. And, you know, I went over to Coral Gables High School and I actually doubled my salary. So I thought I hit the lottery, even though that salary wasn't the greatest in the world either, but it, <laughs> but it was okay. And so I was at Gables. And then while I was at Gables, Ron said to me, you know, you're going to come and be the trainer for the 91 uh, Olympic trials down in Homestead for the 92 Olympics, you know, to pick in the team and everything. And Ron was the Olympic coach. And so I went down to Homestead. I met two guys named Tommy Craig and Nick Schwartz. Tommy was with the Toronto Blue Jays and Nick was with the Kansas City Royals, two tra athletic trainers that I got to know very well. And they said to me, why don't you get back in baseball? And I said, well, I don't know how to get back in baseball. What do I do? They said, well, you know, the Marlins are starting a team in Miami. I go, yeah. Who do I talk to? He says, well, John Bowles just came for the Kansas City Royals. Nick goes, I know him very well. How about if I give him a call? So we called John Bowles up and that year, the baseball winning meetings were in Miami at the Fountain Blue. How convenient. Yeah. So I, I went over to the Fountain Blue and met John Bowles and John Bowles offered me a job to be um, a minor league athletic trainer in the Marlins. We had two teams, one in Erie, Pennsylvania, that Freddie Gonzalez was the manager of and one in Kissimmee that Carlos Tosca was the manager of. And, you know, I knew Carlos from my Yankee days and I knew Freddie from my Yankee days and Freddie was a Southridge kid. And so uh, I got the job uh, with the Marlins, finished up at Coral Gables High School, and uh, John Bowles off me a full-time position with them as the minor league coordinator. Now let's back up to those trials and homesteads. Obviously, some, some big names must have come through there. I could tell you a funny story. So we were, uh, we were doing the trials. Jason Michaels was from Okaloosa Walton Junior College. Jason injured his ankle running down the first base. And so... At that time, we were still using, you know, Doctors Hospital and John DeRibi. So I called John and I said, listen, I got to bring this kid over tomorrow morning. You got to take a look at this kid. Look at his ankles. He was on. He says, Vin, listen, no problem. Bring him over. He says, we got a football game that afternoon. He says, get him over in the morning and, and we'll take a look at him. So I get Jason and, and he says, hey, Vin, um, pick him up in, the, you know, in my car. I'm going to take him over from Homestead down to Coral Gables. And he says, uh, my mom and dad are down from Tampa and they, they want to come with us. I said, absolutely. Where are they? He says, well, they're over here on the corner, this gas station. My dad's waiting for us to come get them. So we drove over and, you know, the parents were going to follow us to Coral Gables. So as we were talking, I said, so what's up? You coming to Miami? He goes, well, you know, I got some other schools, but my mom's not real sure about me coming to Miami. You know, they get safe and stuff like that and everything. I go, really? So as I'm driving, I got this little brain thing going in my head. I got to get this guy to come to Miami. He's a great player. So we're driving down the turnpike, head of the Coral Gables and everything. Well, I decided to take a right turn and I get off at like Caribbean Boulevard and I go down Ocutler. I got the mom and dad behind me. So I took them to Gables Estates and, and Gables. Nice. Best drive in South Florida other than the beach. Best drive in South Florida. I took them to Doctor's Hospital that way. That was the, we got there. When we got to the um, emergency room and waiting for Dr. Uribe to come out, Miss Michael says, it's a beautiful place. I said, it, re it really is a beautiful place. Great place. Great place to be. So that night, Turtle Thomas came up to me and goes, hey, big guy, I don't know what you did, but Jason Michaels just signed with the University of Miami. So I said, don't worry about it. Done. We got him. So, done deal. Uh, you know, good deal. Deal, deal done. You know, and uh, Jason and I laugh about that every time we see each other. But um, that's what happened. And that's a true story. <laughs> there had to have been some other big names there, too. Yeah, there was some. Um, 
God, it, it, it's, it's been, it's been so long. Um, were those collegiate, those were high school players that were, who was going to play in the Olympics? Yeah. Amateur players, junior college guys, collegiate guys, you know, Ron was putting the list together when we spent a real, about a week down there, we were there for a while, you know, we used the dorms they had. I mean, that was a, you know, when they opened up that complex, that was a great complex. That was for the Cleveland Indians, right? For spring yeah, training. The Cleveland Indians. In fact, I met John Hart. John Hart was in player operations at the time with the Indians. He came and was hanging out with us because he was looking at the facility for the Indians. And they were all set to come down until, you know, unfortunately, Hurricane Andrew did what it did and, and kind of you know, right. chased them away. But that was a, that was a really, really nice complex. It was really, really nice. Didn't Ron Frazier also take you uh, in international ball? It took you to Cuba, right? In 87? In 87, we uh, we did 37 cities in like 35 days. I forget what it was. And we played everywhere. We played in every ballpark around the United States. And uh, we were stationed in Millington, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. Just some great people there in Millington. And uh, we were there for a while. And we went to Cuba. You know, Ron figured out we get to Miami for a couple of days so he can, you know, see the girls and everything. And then we flew to Cuba. Who was on that team? That team, I'm never going to forget. We had Mike Fiore. We had Gino Martinez. We had Frank Thomas. Egg Spray, we had Scott Service, the manager of the Seattle Mariners, Ty Griffin, Jim Poole, great Georgia Tech pitcher, and we had the great Jim Abbott. When you think of great football and baseball, you think about the you. When you get hurt in a car, truck, or motorcycle wreck, you need to think Lebovic Law Group. At Lebovic Law Group, you come first. We work to get you all the money you are entitled to. Injured? You need to call or click Lebovic. Lebovic Law Group, the exclusive sponsor of the Miami Hurricanes and proud sponsor of all things you. Go you! So 87, you're a Frazier with the Pan American team. He brings you in 91, 92 for the Olympic trials. That's how you get connected to the Marlins. So now what do you do with the Marlins? You're their minor league athletic. So you're, are you going back and forth between those two places? Yeah, so I went to all the minor league clubs at that time. I, I handled all the uh, the medical. So I, I hired all the minor league athletic trainers. Kevin Rand and Larry Starr were two big league trainers who, who great guys. Larry Starr, legend in the game of baseball. And I got to work with them in spring training. And then um, – during the season, would I would help with the major league team? Uh, in fact, one of my one of my first rehabs was uh, the late Chucky Carr. Really, Chucky was one of my rehabs that he stayed back, uh, and I did his rehab at at uh, you know Hard Rock, whatever pro player Joe Robbie, Joe Robbie Stadium, and um, you know Chucky was one of my rehab guys. And so when the team when the team would go on the road. I would stay in Miami and, and do the rehabs that Larry would leave back. And then when the team came home, I usually got on the road and took care of the minor league team. So it was a great, it was a great position. Those are the early days, right? So that's like uh, Benito Santiago and that Charlie Huff. And yeah, Benny, group, Gary you, Sheffield, you know, Chef. Uh, you know, Charlie Howe, um, yeah. Jeff Conine. We had some, you know, great people on that team. And um, who was the manager back then? The manager back then was uh, Renee Latchman. Oh, yes. Yeah. Latch. Renee Latch. Latch. You know, David Dabrowski was the uh, was the general manager. And uh, so, you know, I, I was actually, you know, a part of the the beginning of the Marlin organization. You know, Mr. Izinga had all his meetings up in Fort Lauderdale we used to have and just uh, treat everybody unbelievable. So I did that. And then uh, in 96 was my last year with the Marlins. I decided to um, I actually interviewed for the, the football job at Miami with Butch Davis and um um, I didn't, I didn't get it. All right. So, so you're not perfect, Vinny. You're not perfect. You didn't get, you, you didn't get all the jobs you wanted. I didn't get that one, Josh. So I, um, I went to go work for John Uribe at Hell South 
I did that, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a suit and tie guy and sit behind a desk and work corporate, you know. So um, I wanted to get back in it. So uh, I actually took a job at Southridge High School. Donnie Challenger just left to go to UM and Mark Wandolo took over. So I got to spend a lot of time. I spent 10 years with Mark Wandolo, who is great, you know, great high school football coach, great coach. And uh, so I was at Southridge. And then Mark leaves. <laughs> Mark leaves and goes to Shamanah Badana. You know, about five years later, I'm like, okay, now what do I do? Mark calls me up and says, hey, you want to come up to Shamanah? I go, Mark, I don't want to drive to Hollywood every day. You know what I mean? That's too much for me. He goes, come on, you got to come up. You got to see this place. It's a great place. So I went up there and I said, no, this isn't a bad drive. And so I went up to Shamanah. He built that beautiful facility, built a new training room. Yep. And um, I always, when I worked as an athletic trainer, whether I was at Gables, Shamanah, Southridge, I always tried to run my facility like a college athletic trainer. So what does that mean? What does that mean, Vin? I worked every day. You know, we did treatment on Saturday. We did treatment on Sunday. You know, we got the kids ready to play on Monday. And um, I, that's how I just wanted to do it. Some other people might have done it differently at the high school level, but I felt, one, I wanted to get, get the experience of continuing to have that mindset working that way. And I also had some pretty good teams I was working with, and we were pretty good. So I knew I had to do what I had to do to keep these kids on the field so we can win championships. You know, I, I think when I, when I finally got to Miami, um, I think it wasn't like a shock, like, you know, an 18 hour day, come on, you know, I'm, I've, I've done that on Saturday and Sunday and working at the high school level. So, you know, the, 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 the mindset and the work ethic wasn't a problem for me, you know, work with Mark at Chaminade and we won a couple of state championships and everything. And then um, I thought it was time to go back to Miami. You know, so I went back to Coral Gables High School and then Lee Kaplan came along and, you know, I knew Lee when he was my resident when I was at Southridge and Lee and I have been friends since 1996. Lee came in and said, hey, I'm going to start a sports medicine program at UM. You want to join me? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I want to go there. You know, I don't want to do that. He says, come on. I says, I don't know. Let me see. Let me see. So um, he says, I need you. I want you to come. You and I buy the first pen in our sports medicine clinic. And we did. So you're telling me there was, there was no sports medicine clinic prior to Dr. Kaplan coming down? Well, University of Miami did not have one. We used Doctors Hospital, you know, and we used Johnny Reeb and his group for years. But Donna Shalala brought Cedars Hospital, turned it into UM, UM Hospital, and she wanted her own sports medicine center down, downtown. And, you know, she asked Lee to come. And, you know, she knew Lee from Wisconsin. And when he was at Wisconsin and he was at Pittsburgh doing his fellowships and he was a team doctor at Wisconsin to Barry Alvarez. And so um, he uh, he came to Miami and, you know, at least from Palm Beach Gardens and, you know, always loved the Canes. And it was great. He, he, he it was it was a great thing for him to come here. He built he built a great sports medicine program. And, um, you know, I was happy to be part of it with him doing that for three years in the hospital. And then um, Randy was helping. We were helping Randy, you know, with, with football. And then, you know, Randy, Randy got let go. And, and you know, we were pretty disappointed. And then um, Jeff Stoutland became the interim head coach. And Jeff's a good friend. And, and uh, one day I went over to visit him and he says, um, I want you to introduce you to somebody. Okay. So he introduced me to Al Golden. And uh, he said, Al, you got to hire this guy. And so um, when the opportunity came, Al hired me. And that's how I started. You know, I know a lot of this, either from our conversations or even getting ready to do this, but I feel like your calling is to be in the training room with the kids or on the field. No question. And my calling was to be at the University of Miami. There is no doubt that. I know a lot of people in this profession and, you know, I've been at one school 20 years and I hope I get another 20 
I've been very lucky. I, I've worked with Randy. I work with Al. I work with Coach Rick. I work with Coach Diaz and now Coach Cristobal and now Dan Radakovich, who we worked together back in the 80s when he was a business manager. You know, so having Dan there, having Mara there, it's, it's great. But yeah, I, I love working with the kids. Um, I love taking care of a kid. I love, I had John Beeson in high school, I had Glenn Cook in high school at Chaminade. And uh, to watch John Beeson's career grow, you know, he, uh, he would always come over to the house like on Thursday nights before they would go on the road or UM home game and just come over to the house and, and hang out with the family here. And um, just to see a guy like him, you know, go where he went, you know, having him in high school. And, but, you know, just watching some of the kids that, that I got to work with, got to treat. And just the, the pride for me is, you know, when, when they get to come back and they come back and visit, some of the guys make it to the NFL, some don't. And the ones that don't, that's fine. As long as I hope they're successful in what they do, and a lot of them are. And uh, that's, to me, that's the most important thing. But when they come back to the training room, you know, it's like, um, you know, just just come and give me a hug. That's all I want, you know. And and I always tell those guys, and even these guys now, um, in my new position as a director, this is always going to be your training room. It's always going to be your house. So whenever you want to come back, it's always open. And uh, we always tell that to the kids. And, you know, this is their house. And, and we're, here to, we're here to help them and make them better. So for those that don't know, because you, as you said, you ran your high school program like a college, which meant a lot of hours and a lot of time. What is a day like? If you're an athletic trainer working in a big time college sport, what is a day like or what is a week like? What What are you doing? When does it start? When does it finish? What are you responsible for? We come into work about five. You know, when I was doing football, we come to work about five, but you're on call 24-7. You know, when I when I got back into it, the first thing I tell my wife is, phone's going to ring at two in the morning. I got to answer it. You know, phones are ringing at three in the morning. I got to answer it, you know, and, and, and I answer it. And how often I, does I, that happen? More likely uh, than it, it doesn't happen a lot, but when it did, you got to answer it. You know, you get, you get some waves, you know, um, kids are calling, Hey Vin, I was in a car accident. Okay. Where you at? You know, I'm over here on the corner, but I'll be right there. You know, I get out of the car, you know, usually if it's a uh, South Miami or Gables, you know, whatever, Hey Vin, you know, <laughs> I gotta go see my guy, you know, and I got to make sure they're okay. And some we've had to, you know, take to the hospital. Some we didn't. You know, some I've taken to the training room and, and, and took care of them there. So, you know, that's just part of the job, you know. And, and, you know, we tell the parents when we recruit them that we're going to take care of your son. And I mean that. And, you know, we just don't say it. We do it. Mom and dad's not there. Grandma's not there, you know. And so we're there. And so we have to make sure that we answer the phone. We take care of them. But on a regular day, you come in at five and you get, get the room ready. Kids come in about six you know, 5.45, 6, depending on their lift schedule and stuff. And, you know, you start your treatments, um, working on treatments, then you start your taping. Kids go to meetings. Uh, you get a little bit of break when they go to meetings. Usually that time we sit down with the NFL scouts and kind of talk to them. Uh, they want to talk about the prospects and things like that. So, you know, you, you get that done. Then you, you hit the field at about 9 o'clock, you know, get ready. And then we start usually start practice at 9.30. Practice runs about 11.30, 11.45, and, you know, get done with practice, hopefully – it's a, it's a clean day on the practice field and, and, uh, you know, go back inside and you, uh, you know, you uh, get the kids ready when they come in because some of them got to go to class and, you know, you treat who you can before they go to class and, and the ones that uh, have to go to class, you get them when they come back. And so, you know, do phone calls, doctor's appointments, making sure the kids, you know, got to get what they got to get uh, in between classes, you know, thank God for the Lenar Center. How much easier has that made your life, huh? Oh, my goodness. You know, those van trips, you know, again, I love the people at UMH. They took care of me a few months ago. Great, great group of people took care of me during COVID. That hospital is, is the best, UM Towers, the best. 
but we got Lenar right next door. So, you know, you can put a kid on a golf cart, get him over there, get him upstairs, see Dr. Kaplan, see who we need to see and, and get answers within minutes. You know, it's great. So, um, you know, we'll send kids to the doctors and do what we have to do. And um, kids will come back. And then, you know, usually there's a staff meeting, four or five or six o'clock, whatever time the coach wants to have it, go up and give you injury report and um, go back down. And everyone, everyone wants to know about their guy, right? Everyone wants to know about their guy, you know, so you got to be ready and you got to be ready to answer questions. You're the magic man, Vinny. You're the magic man. You know, it is, it is, it's part of the thing. And then we come down from the staff meeting and anybody left, and usually about six, six thirty. we try to get out of there, you know? Um, so let me, let me ask you this. Uh, we're not going to use a specific player because I don't even have one that would come to mind, but let's say there's a, 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 per, a player who has a significant role on the team that's dealing with an injury that you're trying to get them ready for Saturday. How much extra time might you be spending with said player to to give as much or how much are they spending with you, let's say, to ensure they're to, to try and get them ready for a Saturday? They kind of give me a dirty look when I say you're coming home with me tonight. <laughs> um, you know, but you've done I mean, there's late night treatment. I mean, there if, if you're oh, yeah, really trying we, to work uh, somebody, we, it's it's around the clock. Correct. We'll treat people around the clock. We had a quarterback who got injured in the game a few years back. It was a Saturday afternoon game and, and he got injured. I had to get him ready for next week. And, and I told one of our troopers who, who worked with us, I said, listen, I got to get him back to the training room. We're going to start going to work again. He says, let's go put us in the trooper car and escorted us back to, to Coral Gables, you know, from the stadium. And we started work that Saturday night right after the game. I mean, you do it for a couple of reasons. One, because the more treatment you give them, I think the better they're going to get. They're going to, they're going to hopefully, hopefully they're going to heal. Um, sometimes they don't, it's just the nature of the injury, whatever it is, but it makes the athlete feel like, okay, they're trying to get me back. And it puts him in that mindset that I got to get back. They want me back. I got to get back. And this becomes so easy to work with when that happens. You know what I mean? They'll do whatever you tell them to do because they know that you're trying to get them back on the field. And, um, and that's important. And that's important. The other thing too, Vin is, and you can, you can, maybe on this one, you can use an example of, of one or, or more than one would be, you know, a player gets hurt. And the injury is four to six months, six to eight, whatever the injury is, right? And then you see that player in four to six or six to eight months return to the field. But what you don't see, what we don't, you see, we don't see, is what happens during that time. The amount of work it takes to get that player rehabilitated, both by you and the staff and by that player. You know, I was hoping you can use some examples here if you'd like, uh, shed some light as to the, the amount of work the athlete puts in to get themselves right because it's beyond dr kaplan on the operating table it's a multifaceted program that in, that endures a lot of time and a lot of pain to get them back to where they want to be well you know you're right and, and i tell you what we did one of the first things i did when i got the job at miami was i wanted to make sure we had a great physical therapy team so i had lewis feigenbaum who was the director of pt at the hospital at the time and i said you got to come over you got to come with me and we brought lewis in and then um you know, from there on, our physical therapy program got better and better every year. We had some great therapists, you know, Lewis, and then we had Jeff Ruiz. We had Tristan Askin, who's with the Bears. Jeff Ruiz was with the Commanders. Um, now we have Joe Girardi, a former player who's in charge of PT. You know, I always felt that I'm on the field for, for two to three hours every day. Who's going to take care of the kid inside the athletic training facility? They just had surgery. So with our physical therapy people, you know, they're able to work with them, take them in the weight room you know, work him in the uh, athletic training facility. Tim Pike was now my head football guy who came in this year. 
as I transition to my new position, you know, Tim works very well with, with the PT people and Joe and, you know, they, they've been really, they've been really busy this year and they, they just do a great job, but you watch guys like Greg Rousseau and you watch guys like Malcolm Lewis and watch guys like Stephen Morris and watch guys like Braxton Berrios, Duke Johnson, you know, with his injury and you watch these guys come back from injury and, and you just watch how hard they work and the discipline that they have to have to really get better. You know, you get to know these guys well, you get to know their families well. And, and, and then when the opportunity comes and you, you get to watch them, you know, get back on the field. Um, it's, it's just a, it's just a great feeling that, you know, that they go back, they're successful. And then in some cases they go to the next level and successful there, but people don't understand that, you know, these kids, they go to class, they got football, they got meetings, they got academics. So it's, it's a lot on these kids. And then you get someone who's injured and now he's got to spend time in the athletic training facility. You know, we, we, we stress to these kids that they got to be here. They're going to get better. They're going to work. You know, Dr. Kaplan guides them with the surgery and works with them, you know, the follow-ups and, and our PTs and our athletic training staff just constantly working on these kids to make sure they get better. In most cases, you know, we do pretty good and they do pretty good. And, and so we get them back, you know, but it, it does, it does. That's the hard part of the job is when you see someone get hurt and you don't know, you know. So Vinny as the athletic trainer, when he was on the field at a game, right? A guy goes down and he, boom, it's a, it's a, it's a dead sprint to get out there with your team. And how well, often. In my case, I don't know if it's a dead sprint for me, but I got out there. It's a quick jog. It's, it's a quick jog. It's a quick <laughs> I jog. I got out there. Um, how often do you know in the moment? I would say probably 90% of the time you're watching the play. You know, sometimes you might be turning around trying to take care of right. something else. Because you're busy too. There's sometimes it's right. like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm almost tied to your hip, you know, on right. the sideline. Right. It's, it's, sometimes it's a three-car pileup. Exactly. You know, and so, uh, but, you know, when you, when you get out there, you know, Dr. Kaplan's out there with us. And so, you know, first thing you calm the guy down and make sure he's understand we're here to help him. And a lot of times they know before we do. I can tell you that, you know, they, they know sometimes they're in denial. You know, they don't want to know it, but they do know it. But you know, you know what I mean? the, the thing too, Vin, is sometimes they know and it's a it's it's gut wrenching to watch when they're on the sideline in the tent and the tears are in because the, they know something bad has happened. Absolutely. And they can, I can only imagine what they're I can guess what they're thinking, but I can only imagine what they're thinking isn't very isn't good. It's not. Pleasant. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, of course, you know, we try to console them and try to make them understand that, hey, we got to go through a process here. We got to get some X-rays, got to get MRI. You know, we got to get some tests. We're just. You're going to be okay. No matter what the situation is, we got you. We're going to take care of you. So, but uh, in, in some cases, you know, you do know when you get out there and as you're walking off the field, you kind of, you try not to show it because you don't want the people watching on TV or the cameras to be on your face going. You have a good, you have a good poker face. You got to have that face. poker face. And then of course you got to go up to the head coach and you got to give the news. That's right. So what is it? Is it a, who go, who do you, is it more, is it the head coach first with a tap on the shoulder? You know, now, you know, coach Cristobal, goes out on the field so he he sometimes knows too tim has to make that call with coach cristobal let him know but my first thing we do is go to go to al or coach rick i remember when, when duke got hurt we're at florida state and he was in there a long time getting x-rays and stuff like that and you know we didn't really know at first you know what the situation he had all the tape and and, and braces on his ankle and so um when the word got to me there was only a few minutes left in the fourth quarter and so i had to walk up to al and he moved the headset and i said he's out uh, it, ain't, it ain't good, coach. He's, he, he broke it. You can just see the, you know, he's still trying to coach the game, you know, and, right. you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy with the sickle sometimes, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, so you have to, you have to learn that, but you got to give out the information. 
But um, I remember going into Al's office one day and just sitting, he goes, what do you want? I go, nothing. And I said, I'm always giving you bad news. I just came to say hello. So <laughs> <laughs> the Grim Reapers here, the Grim Reapers. I brought some candy. Yeah, yeah I brought oh, some he used candy. To call me mush. He used to call me mush. Here comes mush, you know, comes but, mush. Uh, but you know, he respected what we did and he understood it. But again, that's what you have to do. And, and, and you do it. All right. Well, you've cared for a lot of people and you're the best and you are deserving of the honor of being in the Hall of Fame. And you don't just take care of the athletes. Uh, Josh and Joe and Don come around every now and again with some favors. Oh, those are my boys. You know, those are my boys. And, uh, my boys are now your boys. So yeah, they, uh, exactly. we're not just taking care of me. It's taking, you know, making sure the kiddos are in the right hands. So that's what's great about having having a UM health system like that, that we can take care of everybody. You know, we've taken care of parents. We've taken care of children from coaches. We've taken care of coaches. And so, you know, it's... Uh, that's important to me. It's important that, you know, you're part of the UM family. I'm going to do whatever I can to get you. I need to get you and get you the best. So you are the best, Vin. And thank you. This was great. Thanks for telling some stories from it, from a different perspective. A lot of good stuff. Congratulations again. Thank you, John. On, thank you. on your honor of being in the Hall of Fame. Thank you for doing this with me. Oh, this was great. And, you know, I love seeing you. I prefer to see you in person, but uh, give you a big hug on the sideline with a with a giant. Well, I got a thumbs up en enough of times. You're not always the Grim Reaper. You, you didn't always carry the sickle with me, but uh, uh, I know how to re I know I know how to read you. Maybe not so many people, but I can, I can read you, Vin. You should get those secret thumbs up. You got it. You got it. They like to steal signs in college football. I don't want them to know our deal. Right. Well, people, you know, don't know. You know, I still see you on the sidelines. So Absolutely. It's good to still be on the sideline. Good to still be involved. And I let, I let Tim and the staff go to work and I'm there to support. And uh, they know that. So uh, I get to hang out with Dr. Cap a little bit more and, and, and keep him going on the sideline. But uh, it, it's, it's been really, really good. Vin, thank you again. Congratulations and see you soon. Josh, thanks so much, buddy. See you, bud. All right, Vinny Scavo behind the U. Hey, well, I got to remind you, you can change the course of your career or find your new passion. Both are possible at the University of Miami's Division of Continuing and International Education. The division offers over 50 courses with online and hybrid options for on-the-go professionals and busy parents. Visit miami.edu slash DCIE to learn more or call our enrollment advisors at 305-284-4000 to discover which course is right for you. Vinny Scavo, behind the U.